You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes Deadair Nipe here. Without typical Lydia, she's off hiding the bodies of all the other hosts I've tried to replace her with. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Couldn't do it without her. Today's episode of the Deadair Podcast is going to be a little different than what you guys are used to. It's not as long. It's about seven minutes and change. And the reason for that is, is because this show in its original incarnation was going to be very different. It wasn't going to be its own thing. So to back way, way up, when I was just starting out writing horror reviews, I started doing it because I was a horror fan, just like anybody listening to this podcast. And I just wanted to a write but b give back to my fandom one of the things that i was really interested in was one day writing for a horror magazine a good old-fashioned printed magazine something that you could hold in your hand something that was on the store shelves that was really important to me it was something that i'd coveted now of course i had no idea how to do that and i had submitted some work to i think rue morgue fangoria uh definitely and maybe a couple of others and i didn't really even get responses back i just didn't know how to go about it so what ended up happening was one day i was just up at three o'clock in the morning as per usual and the tv was on and they were doing this they were doing this hour-long documentary about rue morgue magazine rue morgue for those of you who don't know is a big horror magazine here in canada so when i watched this i had seen a small segment dedicated to rue morgue radio and they were talking to a guy named tomb dragomir and I didn't even really realize that Rue Morgue had um, an internet radio station. It was something that aired every Friday, and it was this guy playing a lot of music, a lot of punk and that kind of stuff, and of course there was uh, some movie reviews spliced in there and comedy bits. It was really great. It was, um, you know, I started listening to it to sort of get a feel because when I saw that documentary, I said, well, okay... I've been trying to gather together horror reviews to have a, A, to practice writing, and B, to have a reasonable portfolio that I could give to people and say, hey, look, these are the horror movie reviews that I've done already. Would you guys please take a look at it? And, but here was an opportunity to use my education for something. My education formally is in radio broadcasting. It's what I went to college for. So I thought, I'll contact this guy. So I went to the Rue Morgue website and i found his work email his official email address and i emailed him i was like hey man uh you know i you might get this a lot i'm not sure i really like what you're doing and i said you know if you ever need help with anything if you ever need help with splitters or bumpers or some legal ids or a segment that would be awesome and surprisingly he messaged me less than 24 hours later and he 
said, hey, why don't you whip up a couple of, why don't you make a couple of splitters for me? Splitters are essentially when you're, the bleep sweeps and creeps, like these sound effects that usually say the name of uh, the radio station that you're listening to, to sort of remind listeners to what station they're listening to. It's all about keeping things top of mind, which is something that I learned was very important in the radio industry. It was all about making sure listeners know what station they're listening to. And so I took that as an opportunity and I wanted to show, I was like, I'm so, okay, I'm so ready for this. I'm so serious. I'm so excited. So boom, I whipped out maybe five or six splitters for him to use in about an hour, a little less than an hour. I had everything that I needed and I sent them off to him and I listened to that week's show and he didn't use all of them, but I do remember that he used one. And I was thrilled. I was like, oh my God, you guys, listen to this. This guy's using the production that I did. It's amazing. And that was sort of it. I'm, I'm not sure if he ever ended up using any more, but Rumorg Radio eventually went away. But I maintained a casual friendship with Toom. He then contacted me out of the blue and said, uh, hey, I might be doing my own show eventually. Uh, what I'd like you to do is make a five-minute section where you're talking about movies, horror movies, or a horror book, or something horror-related, just whatever it is that you do, and edit that down to five minutes, send it over to me, and I'm going to use it in uh, what I assumed was some sort of new incarnation of the Rumorg radio station. Probably not that, but his own thing in the same sort of style. So I went ahead and I made my first review and it was for a movie called Bone Setter which is a direct to DVD uh Canadian independent it was terrible and I just basically made fun of it for 5 minutes after the 5 minutes uh were done edited things down and uh, you know punched everything up and sent it off to Tomb uh, he got it and he was like great thanks I'm going to use this and that was it and I listened back to it a few times and there was just something about it I was I, I'm not it's hard to say it was Fully scripted, it wasn't entirely it wasn't entirely entertaining. I find myself better in conversation. And I said, that's what I'm talking, that's what I need. I need this to be a conversation. And then what stimulates conversation? Well, another person. You can't just have somebody talking at you and have it really be as interesting as two people talking about a subject matter that you both enjoy. That's where natural comedy comes from that's where you can keep people engaged if they feel like they're part of a conversation instead of being talked at which is what i'm doing to you right now but bear with me so immediately i sought out typical lydia she was a friend of mine and the best thing about it was she was a mutual friend of tomb i had met her as i think i've mentioned before in a previous episode of the podcast uh, uh through through a website called ottawa horror i had went to ottawa comic-con and had seen the ottawa horror table now i went to this comic-con in full self-promotion mode one thing that radio taught me very well was to advertise yourself to promote yourself to make yourself seem very desirable for maybe a radio station to pick up or to basically just make sure you was making the rounds to all these tables, um, to people who were releasing independent films, showing up saying, I'm Wes and I write at Spider Pictures and I write for horrormovies.ca and, and I'm here to review horror movies and what do you got? And, you know, some people were really nice. I mean, the one thing that I learned early on about people who are in the um, independent horror business 
or people who podcast about horror or people who write about horror for websites and all kinds of stuff like that is they're very open to talk to you and they're very accepting you know it's you know i told people what i did i didn't have a business card i didn't have any proof of anything and you know people would hand me over movies people would listen to what i had to say and because i was totally selling that i got the cure that ails you and that was kind of my whole methodology uh which is pompous as fuck but whatever i so i had met lydia through there she wasn't at the con herself but she was the one that later contacted me about doing something with ottawa horror and so she and i had met and we became good friends and she remains one of my closest friends today and she was completely down to do this now i wanted lydia involved in this because she was a legitimate horror author she has real books to her credit and this always impresses me because to me it might be my age it might be the fact that i'm kind of materialistic i like to have things i like i like physical copies of movies i like physical copies of games i like physical copies of books i'm not really all into the digital yes i mean i get it like i get that oh my god you can have hundreds of movies uh, that occupy no space you could have hundreds of books that occupy you know a little kindle you can have all kinds of music and occupy the size of an ipod or your cell phone or something like that and i'm not you know i i mean i get it i'm not an idiot i know that's where the world is going but there's always going to be something about the fact that you could hold something that you've created and someone else can hold that and you could go to a store and something you've created has been there uh and that's lydia to me that is something that she has so i was really excited for her to be involved in this and so we started recording episodes very sporadically and the routine was go to her place watch the movie turn on the microphone have a conversation and then i would try to edit that down now initially these conversations were not supposed to be very long again we're talking about five minute segments so if you end up talking for an hour it becomes a massive pain in the ass to tighten it up and make sure that you're coming in within the five minutes so the first few episodes we did a pretty good job you know we talked for 20 minutes 30 minutes and then i'd cut that down Slowly but surely, things started to get longer and longer and longer, up to the point where there's certain episodes that I've edited that are an hour and a half long of conversation that I have to cut down to five minutes. And then just look, I'm like, what the fuck were we thinking? This is so much work. So anyways, one thing that I had noticed is that these episodes that Tomb originally wanted to do never really materialized. And, you know, that's no fault to him. You know, he's got his job, he's got Tomb TV, he's got all these other things, you know, spinning many plates. And this was probably just a whimsical thing in the back of his mind. Then I was sitting there just thinking, oh, fuck, we got all these episodes in the bag. I was like, why wait? Why wait for him to be ready to use them if he's ever going to? Why not just put them up? Let's do our own show. I'll put them up on spiderpictures.net and then we'll just have our own show called Dead Air Podcast. Why wait for anybody to be ready for us? when we're ready now. So I talked to Lydia about it, and of course she was completely ready and willing to do this. And I was like, great, awesome, let's do this. So within that, some of the episodes that you've heard previously were recorded just a few weeks ago, but there's also others that have been around for two years. So it's a pretty good chunk of time in between episodes. But now Lydia and I have gotten into a rhythm. Some of the episodes are a little shorter than others. But again, this is because they were originally conceived to be only five-minute segments. 
The one we're going to be listening to today is for a film called Tombs of the Blind Dead. It was only seven minutes long, so that's just about where we are. So instead of just giving you an episode that only is going to be about seven and a half minutes long, I thought, ah, fuck it, I'll just do a little bit of an intro, give you a little bit of history behind the podcast as we're moving forward. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. we got a lot more episodes in store, and without further ado... Let's listen to a very short, but a very good episode of the Dead Air Podcast. So what's going on, everybody? It's Wes, Dead Air Nipe, this time joined by Lydia to offer us all the entertaining comments that she can today about Tombs of the Blind Dead. So Lydia, right up. What did you think of this movie? Oh, I loved it. You absolutely loved it? Yes, I did. I wanted to see it for about three years, and... I have a really long list of things I want to see. It got bumped, that's for sure. But Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I was really, really pleased with this movie. Yeah, uh, so was I. Um, Tombs of the Blind Dead was something that we decided to talk about. It was one of those films that went completely um, under the radar for me, Uh, you know, especially as a horror fan. Like, there's just so much out there that it's really hard to sort of see everything. Everything from, like, just the way it's shot to special effects... They're just fantastic. Except the weak points. You did have a couple of pet peeves with some of the weak points that you pointed out. I was getting to that. um, When I was going to say the negatives on it are the story. The story, to me, is the weakest part, aspects of the story. They have a cool thing going on where these undead are really uh, Templars who became satanic cultists. And through their sacrificing of virgins and whatnot, they became the undead. And that's all fine and well and good, but there's moments between characters that just don't really make any sense to me. Uh, Particularly, like, at the very beginning, you know, you have these two women that haven't seen each other in a long time. They're pleased to see each other. And then one invites the other one on a trip, and she shows up the next day to go on this trip and then the woman that invited her is now angry that she's there to the point where she jumps off a moving train (laughs) and goes to these strange ruins that she's never been to before. She's like, I'm done with this woman and uh, my boyfriend. But she's ridiculously prepared. You know, she said, like, she went off the handle on the very first most innocent thing. They had a little giggle, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it was a, little, a giggle. little waist-touching action, and she lost her shit. Jumped off the train, basically. Um, the moving train. Yeah, the moving train. <laughs> risked death, and then traipsed off across the field, and, and actually waved at them like, fuck you guys. Well, she was just like, have a wonderful trip, and they're like, come back, you crazy yeah. bitch. Yeah, and they, they knew... As I think I knew, what they had done was terribly innocent. And she went with her bedroll, fully prepared with her radio, her matches, and all that other stuff you'd usually bring to a hotel. Yeah, to a hotel, yeah. It was just like the most prepared I've ever seen anybody. Just ballsy-ass woman just going through these ruins. No one's there. And she just she's like, oh, time to relax, light a fire, smoke a cigarette, read my book. I know, but being a ballsy-ass woman, almost as old as this movie myself... I might have not caught how outlandish that was if you hadn't pointed it out. Yeah, I, I guess so. Uh, again, I'm kind of coming from a perspective of, you know, how paranoid everyone is nowadays and how the idea of, you know, uh, of like leaving your friends while you're on a faraway trip and just going to some strange place by yourself 
it just seems like the worst idea ever. But, you know, 1970s, it's a different different era, mm-hmm. I guess. No, it's true. People were prepared back then and carried matches and radios and bedrolls. They did. The parts that I weren't, wasn't feeling and didn't fit in, I, I love the most, like the frog in the blood. I don't, I don't know why that freaked me out so terribly badly. It just seems so wrong on so many levels. Like the, you know, a lot of the, the, the blood drinking scenes didn't really bother me. The, mm-hmm. the uncommon good looks of some people and the uncommonly bad looks of some people <laughs> didn't right. bother me at all fit. Um, that frog in the blood, though, I don't and, and the looks from that guy, he reminded me a lot of the Greenskeeper in pieces, and I'll have to show you that, because they look like twins. They could be twins. And the, This was like the guy that uh, was uh, running the morgue, or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah the mortuary worker. I don't know, like, I keep wanting to call him mortician, but he wasn't. He was, yeah, working in the morgue, and um, picking at his frog... Yeah, torturing the frog for no reason, just getting having a real good time with that. Showing him the, the wrong dead body. Yeah, showing no the wrong, yeah, you're just like, ah, wrong dead body. <laughs> <laughs> and just the the, the, the the weird looks that would come over his face. Like, ah, I'm a creepy weirdo. And he was a creepy weirdo. Yeah. The only time he looked absolutely normal was when he was talking to the bird for four seconds. Yeah, well, he definitely was talking to the bird for a little bit. Um you know, part, parts for me, like, besides, like, the initial part of this woman just almost for no reason jumping off the plane, I mean, there was other, like, severe lame duck moments where if, if, if it wasn't the fact that it was a horror movie, there would be really no excuse for it. And that in mm-hmm. itself is kind of a bad excuse. You know, like, Nina, the, 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 the woman's assistant in the mannequin place, she can't open a door that she just locked. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. just locked the door. It's a. It's just like a regular like pull lock, and she can't open it while this undead is slow as can be walking towards her, and she she just gives up on it, and it's just frustrating. Or you know, towards the end with the train, it's just ugh. yeah, yeah, the slippery baby moment, which <laughs> yeah. it goes on a little long, and it is like beyond slippery baby. I think the yeah. slippery babies would stop being slippery babies. Look at her and be like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Making us look bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or take notes because she's the slipperiest baby of them all. Yeah. Um, it was interesting, though, because they had, like, lots of instances where, you know, some of the women in, in the movie uh, were fully competent and, and able to take care of themselves. But then they would have, like, these moments where they're just completely comatose. They just can't do anything. So that's why I really like the, um, I don't remember her name. But we were calling her the whore, and she kept calling the other girl the whore, actually. But Pedro's... Uh, uh, pa- girlfriend. Pedro's girlfriend, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She, she seemed to be the strongest of the bunch, and the, the most forward-thinking girl in the whole in the whole bunch. She was tough. She smoked cigars. I liked it. She did smoke cigars, and Pedro kept taking them from her. But uh, but then, of course, as soon as she saw the undead, then she's, she's just like, I, I, well, my toughness went out the window. Like anybody should. Yeah. 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 So anyways, all in all, I definitely recommend that uh, anyone who hasn't seen Tombs of the Blind Dead, check it out. It's definitely a classic if you're into foreign horror and if you're into a slightly different take on the zombie genre with a little bit of mysticism tossed in there, a little different kind of undead. It's definitely something that horror fans should check out. Oh, definitely. If you need something to watch for your next fetish get-together, it's full of crazy fetish scenes. They cover everything except... Golden showers and coprophilia. You know, I didn't notice how sexual some scenes were until you pointed it out. But I live a very innocent world over here. And I live in a very innocent world, so it screamed at me <laughs> like like a like a burning Bible. All right, well, we're gonna go. 
Lydia here helping me out. I'm Wes Knight, and you've been listening to Dead Air. <laughs>